Hello, this is Madeline from Midwife. David Nance. Seth Graham. Kiaville. Mike from Uniform. Lee Noble. Braden J. I don't know if it's a condition of the way that our world works, but I've known Joshua Tabia for almost 10 years. The night I booked a show for him in Cincinnati and hung out with him after was the first time we actually officially met. Joshua Tabia founded Already Dead over 10 years ago. His label is one of the first I discovered that were really pushing the cassette tapes as a physical medium. As you will hear, I probably have more Already Dead tapes than anyone else alive. Jake Watkins, uh, also an Already Dead staffer who performs under the name Dead Man's Lifestyle, joined us in this conversation about the label, its origins, and a newfound appreciation for Juggalos. Joshua also plays in some really sick bands like Problems That Fix Themselves and his solo performance art piece, Cop Funeral. Check him out. So yeah. just like the peas are popping. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, um, I'm sitting out here. It's a little bit past midnight outside of the Listing Loon um, on the hood of my car in Cincinnati, close to northern Kentucky. Uh, a plane is flying out from the airport um, heading northeast. And I'm sitting here with Joshua Tabia and Jake Watkins. Um, proprietors of Already Dead Tapes, and um, respectively, Joshua plays under the name Cop Funeral, Problems That Fix Themselves. Am I missing anything? That's it. Okay. And Jake plays under Dead Man's Lifestyle. Missing anything? That's it. Okay, cool. (laughs) Accurate facts. Accurate, yeah. Yeah, cool. Um... <laughs> Not fake news. You got it. You got the straight dope here on Tom the Weather Machine. So, I uh, became aware of Already Dead tapes um, almost ten years ago when I started the tome. When I started the tome, and there was this label. You all were out of Chicago at that time. Yeah, yeah. yeah out of Chicago. That was like only doing tapes mm-hmm. and. Um, 2008, 2009, I really feel like um, was when tapes were really starting to kind of become a thing again. We were kind of transitioning out of that like CDR world um, and uh, tapes suddenly became like the next viable way for experimental artists to create music. Um, So... And I've been following them ever since. I think I probably have more already dead tapes than uh, most people. <laughs> probably like second to you all. Uh, <laughs> but no, but already dead was like a really um, good, uh, like supportive um, label of uh, Gold Rush Music Festival, and always like a steady supplier of um, this blog with amazing stuff. So um, I'm gonna let you guys talk. Um, Tell me a little bit about what started um, Already Dead Tapes. What was the impetus behind it? Why tapes? And yeah, and where you're from? And, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I'm from Kalamazoo, Michigan, and uh, 
basically in 2009 I was living with a bunch of guys in an old Spanish church and we were doing shows there. Um, a friend of ours, James Duke, was booking a lot of shows and uh, it just occurred to me that all my roommates were making music and uh, Ray Jackson, one of my best friends, and I just started kind of like making stuff. We were both really not capable of making music but we would just like grab things in our rooms and start recording and uh so that's kind of like how problems that fix themselves started was just ray encouraging me to like actually start playing shows and and sharing the things i was making in my bedroom and from there i met sean at the first ever problems that fix themselves show where it was me playing you know whatever on a laptop and uh, Ray was vacuuming and <laughs> and dipping microphones in buckets of water, and uh, Adam Zamont was beating the shit out of a tennis racket on a piece of sheet metal with a contact mic. And th so those early shows Sounds were just right. they sounded like hot garbage, but people were into it and just had a lot of fun. You know, uh, kids were just is a college town, so kids were looking for something fun to do on a Friday night and. Uh, so yeah, that's how Sean came to that first show. He assumed I'd been doing it forever, and <laughs> we met, and we played some shows together and kind of became friends through that. And uh, one day we were hanging out at the record shop he worked at. At the time, it was Corner Records, and uh, we were just eating a pizza, you know, like shooting the shit about music. And uh, we kind of, you know, I, we kind of agreed that we should start putting out our music and our friends' music because enough of us were doing things that we loved, and no, you know, no one outside of our circle was hearing it. So we kind of agreed. We shook hands that night and agreed to <laughs> to start doing the label. And uh, the first thing was like reissuing the first problems that fix themselves tape on Already Dead and. We did a we we started playing in a band together called Rottenwood Moon, and uh, so that first Already Dead release was like ten or twelve shitty duped copies of that that I just left around places on that first Rottenwood Moon tour, and then from there it kind of uh, I moved to Chicago shortly after, and uh, so we kind of ran it from Kalamazoo in Chicago. That was the first version of the label, like being multi-city and. From there, it got more serious. I put out the second Problems record. I learned how to dupe tapes that sounded decent, and uh, yeah, it just kind of rolled from there. Then we put out a Forget the Times record, and uh, yeah, it just picked up. We, we quickly started putting out our friends' music, and I think we were on like our fifth release, and we started getting submissions from people in like Germany, you know, like Micro Melancholy hit me up oh, from wow. Germany, and I ended up okay, doing, uh, yeah, I ended up doing a, like a Problems remix album on his label. I forget what it was called. It was, I can't remember, but we did like a remix album on his label and uh, put out some of his stuff and just quickly started, you know, it, it got traction a lot faster than I thought it would. A lot of those early releases were just like handing out tapes to people mm -hmm. we thought would dig them and that just kind of gained traction because kids were like hungry for it and doing tapes just kind of came from uh i don't know switching it up you know like yeah cdrs were nobody was listening to them you know mm -hmm. so it was like what could we give people that it, even if they didn't have a tape player it was like collectible and a nice thing mm -hmm. to put on your desk and you know hopefully go to goodwill and buy a tape player and check it out um so yeah, that's kind of like where the tape thing came from. I had originally put out the first Problems record on a, on a label in Kalamazoo called Dinosaur Club. Um, and that was just a local guy who kind of supported all the local weirdos and put their stuff on tape. So 
that was where that idea came from and that label kind of winded down and he gave me a lot of his old blanks so I had all these blanks and I that's kind of like why I started putting music on them um, Jake tell me a little bit about yourself where, where you're from and um, how you got involved with the label um, my involvement with the label was entirely by a series of weird chances um, so I am from, I was born in Knoxville, Tennessee, and I grew up in, in uh, I mean, Knoxville's not a particularly large town, but an even smaller town called Morristown, Tennessee. And right around the age of 16, uh, I, I don't really know how this ever translated into like genuine experimental music, but like songs from the Black Hole by Weezer was like, you know, what I just listened to all the time. <laughs> I don't, that, I've never heard that. It's essentially I, what I, happened. I'm a Weezer fan, but like, I've never heard that, that record. It's essentially what happened. It's, it, it was a record that was never released. It was uh, what happened between Pinkerton and the Green Album. Really? Yeah, and it was like just like some like weird fucking space. Okay, I can say fuck, right? Oh, okay, no, cool. No, actually. <laughs> okay. I'm joking. Okay, okay. <laughs> it's some weird fucking space opera. And um, I don't know, like, that kind of gave me the courage to, like, just be the, the weirdo that I really wanted to be. Um, <laughs> the only... I mean, this was a tiny town. There was no space to, like, actually play music. Uh, everybody just, like, would kind of occasionally invite people to, like, come hang out in their garage and, like, listen to them play horrible music. And so... Um, yeah, the only other person that was making weird music at the time was, like, some black metal guy. And, uh, I don't know, I followed his MySpace page down a rabbit hole until I finally found a label in uh, Iowa City, Iowa, Darbalistic Rex, Jay Schleit. And from him, uh, like, just, like, he put out my first tape as Benny the Church Mouse when I was, like, 16. And then, like, three years later, I met Bob Bucko Jr. Oh, wow. Uh, my uncle Bobby, as I call him now, and uh, so that like fast forward to 2015, I finished my undergrad at the University of Tennessee, and I took a fellowship at um, Western Michigan University, and I'm on tour, and I'm hanging out with Bob, and he's like, hey, when when you get there. Go to Satellite Records and ask for this guy named Sean. <laughs> and so I did because I didn't know a fucking soul in that town. And so I get there and I meet Sean. And he's, uh, Sean is a very stoic human being. And I was like, hi, man. I don't really know anyone in this town. I was just told to ask for you by Bob Bucko Jr. And I think Kevin Greenspan had also like yeah, said, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sean Hartman, like, you asked for him. And he was just like, cool. Um, so you make like weird music and I was like well by all accounts yeah and I've like I, I had put out a couple tapes through Bob and Jay Schleit uh, just because like that was the only medium that you know would accept some like <laughs> fucking hillbilly from Tennessee uh, and <laughs> I was like yeah you know I do this and Sean was like cool whatever um, I got a band you want to come to band practice <laughs> fuck man I don't know I don't know anyone here so, I don't know, if, like, flash forward a couple months later, and the Already Dead family reunion's going on in 2015, and Sean was like, go talk to Josh. And so I went and talked to Josh, and I think your exact words, uh, I think we were both, like, a little drunk on this porch. <laughs> and I was like, hey, man, it was really nice to meet you. And your exact words were, hey, man, if you ever want to do anything with a label, uh, 
just email me. And to me, in my drunken state, that meant, if you want to put out this record that you've been sitting on that you're really proud of, please send it to me. And what you meant by, by that was, if you wanted to like, write reviews for this label, then please email me. In my defense, Sean had, had been like, hey, Jake wants to write for the label. So I, and I, I had never said that at any point. I was like, man, I would really like to get this album out. So I just I'm wrote... sitting on this gold double LP. Yeah. I don't know that it was gold per se, but it's I was... very fast. I, it, well, I mean, you have one, but... I have one. I have, I have the last <laughs> copy. Um, yeah, so I wrote reviews for the label, and like just the interactions with Josh were like just remarkably fucking pleasant at that point. You know, like, hey, can you review this? Like, yeah, man, I don't know. I got to write my thesis at some point. And he's like, yeah, no big deal. And so then you would pretty much just text me at like midnight the night before it was due and be like, have you written this yet? And be like, well, I'm about to. <laughs> and then at one point you're like, hey, can I uh, put this out? Or like, can I put anything out for you? Like, do you want me to like release any of your music? And I don't know, uh, figgity figgity fuck yeah, I'm pretty sure it was like my internal response. Right. So then after that, I just, I continued to write reviews and we've had a good relationship ever since. So that actually brings me to my next question. What is like the... Sub, I don't know submission or what is like the vetting process that you use to like determine what you're gonna put out next? Cause I'm sure you get like a shit ton of uh, demos and promos and stuff like yeah. that. It's a tough question. I mean, yeah, that is, that is a tough question. I mean, at this point, you know, we're almost to 300 releases, um, and a lot of just like a lot of people that we've grown to know. So it's like through the community we've already built we already have a lot of people who are a part of the label hitting me up to do releases. So at this point, it's it's slim, you know, it's it's hard to do a lot of that stuff. And it bums me out because I love, uh, a huge part of the label is just like, I want to help like the underdog. I want to like, even, even, it's not, it's less about aesthetic than it is like, I just want to like help the people who are doing cool shit and no one cares, you know, mm. so. Um, it's it's hard at this point because we do so much and I'm trying to dial back just to just to be functional and be able to like properly promote every release and um, so it's it's difficult I would say at this point it's more like knowing someone who knows the label and that kind of thing because that that internal community already has produced so many people um, it's hard to keep up with that so um, in terms of submissions it's it's just like when people Honestly, the submissions I don't read are just the people who are like, this is what it is. Like, there's no description. There's no, there's no letter. There's no, you know, it's like, do you even know anything about this label? Or if it's like a PR person, like, pitching. Yeah, absolutely. That happens all the time. It's usually with the PR people, it's strangely metal bands. Uh, (laughs) Like, this band will blow your mind away. You know, and I'm like, cool, I'm not. (laughs) I don't care. Uh, But when people write me, like, a sweet letter, whether it's through the mail or the internet when it just seems like they care about the label I think at this point it's about like who gives a shit about this community and wants to gets gets what the label is doing and wants to be a part of it rather than like oh already dead has somewhat of a name how can I use that to mm-hmm. to help myself which I, I totally get that that's a part of it yeah. but it's like it's a give and take so mm-hmm. I think at this point it's for new artists it's usually just like it's that it's it's that balance yeah I would say definitely from somebody who is running label, definitely not in the game for as long as you all, um, that I don't think I've ever um, given like consideration of something that like uh, 
either isn't from somebody I personally know or like like came to me from somebody that I knew right. who like like vouched for this person like hey like my friends got this release coming out it's really great um yeah so that's um that's interesting because there there is your releases vary you know wildly and and I think that's a really um cool thing to do as a label for myself my musical tastes like are all over the place right from I mean, like, my heart and soul is, like, in second wave Midwestern emo. Right. And, and like, nice, San Diego nice. screamo. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we bonded over that. Yeah, yeah. Curl up and die. Like, oh, my God, shitty metalcore <laughs> yeah, yeah. is, like, yeah. yeah, like, I listen to that every morning, yeah, like, when yeah. I work out. Right. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, but, like, you know, my, um, you know, obviously my, my, bulk of like my music like what really like engages me and like really excites me is um like experimental music especially in like the ambient world and so it i always wonder what it would be like if like if i just like threw open the doors you know just to like yeah you're a sick like emo revival band from like you know like iowa city like yeah let's do a record you know um so so i really like i I appreciate that because um i know that when i get a batch of stuff from already dead it's like it could be like whatever um and then that's like exciting um it's like it's you haven't pigeonholed yourself but for being in the game for as long as y'all have been it's like you know that it's going to be sort of like left of the dial, yeah, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then, um, like, maybe we could talk about some, like, important releases that, you know, you really felt um, when you put it out, you're, like, really, really, like, just so proud that you were, like, the vessel, like, getting this out into the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think for me recently that Kurt Oren record yeah. has been, like, when I first heard that, like... Yeah just like leveled me like i like was like an emotionally helpless toddler when i heard that record so yeah what are some records that particularly stand out as like proud to put it out yeah i'll tell the most recent pitchfork story real quick Uh, yeah for sure uh yeah so we're 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 doing this table you you talked about left of the dial Mm -hmm. and and kurt oren is definitely uh you know a, a phenomenal human being and makes wonderful music we, we we had this table at pitchfork and uh this person came by and they were like you know what kind of label is this and i said yeah it's like experimental music and this and that and uh, they were like well you know what kind of experimental music and i was like well it goes from you know it's kind of pitchfork's western. yeah yeah it's, you know it, 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 festival. Okay, it, it goes from like you know like you know maybe like weirder punk to like some really weird shit and they're like oh you mean like death grips and i was like oh i'm sorry my friend but i think you've only cracked about half of what's yeah. going on um do you want to talk about auction <laughs> because i'll talk about auction <laughs> yeah I, I think the weirdest release that's that's come out on this label is um Oxymel, the yeah. bringer of sickness yeah, yeah. yeah. and I, I was trying to describe it to somebody the other night and I said, you know, it's like it's like black metal without any semblance of black metal at all whatsoever. It's like truly the darkest, most like disturbing but like incredibly like sonically 
engaging thing I've ever heard. So, you know, there's things like that. And then there's Kurt Oren and, you know, his all of his variations of free jazz and just blowing a, a big old saxophone yeah. and deeply as possible. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would say the Kurt Oren record is like a good one of like, uh, he reached out at a point where I was just like, I don't want to do vinyl for a while. Like, it's just like so expensive. And mm-hmm. he sent us that record and it was just like so moving and beautiful. And I sent it to Sean and we were like, yeah, let's do it. You know, like, so that's a big one. And I mean, Kurt, it's cool when, when a person like Kurt tours so much because it's like, mm-hmm. cool, like people are going to hear this. You yeah. know, there's, yeah, yeah. there's records we put out that we believe in and, and those people, maybe they don't even play shows and it, mm-hmm. it doesn't stop me from doing it, but it's mm-hmm. like, you know, it's not going to be vinyl. It's going to be like a really short run tape. So mm-hmm. the Kurt record is amazing. Um, the binary marketing show is like a huge yeah, one. Yeah, like, uh, I love, there's like this, <laughs> uh, this line that gets stuck in my head. Um, it's like, like, it's a, on that song, it's got like that really kind of pitched up like keyboard, like, I cannot begin to understand. Yeah. And it's yeah. just like, it's just like that yeah runs in a loop in my yeah. mind and they're the nicest fucking human beings yeah. on the face of the planet yeah. like we've we've like brushed shoulders so many times at the family reunions and i'm not sure that we've ever actually exchanged names but every year like after that first year they just give me a hug every time yeah Man, i fucking love you guys yeah and i mean like talking about like people who get the label and like care about it it's like i feel like that band could be on fucking merge records or yeah, whatever yeah. whatever they wanted you yeah. know they could go for whatever they wanted but they they love already dead and they're so supportive and um you know they were like our 13th release mm. um so really they've been a part of it forever i think sean met them on tour years ago and so that's a huge one being able to like put out a record by them was like, incredible um other recent stuff you know like move ons is like yeah. a dude that i just i love to death um he reached out that's a great example of somebody who did reach out kind of cold with the submission and it just like floored me because I'm kind of I'm, I'm a little cold to submissions at this point just from getting so many and he reached out like probably three years ago and and that really struck me and now we're like really good friends and you know he just I don't know he's the kind of person that just like fits what we're doing really well um another one in, that's like totally left a field kind of what you're talking about is Darko the Super like oh, yeah. this like weirdo <laughs> rapper kid who's just this like the sweetest person you've ever met uh his influences are like they're rappers, but they're also like Devo and, and Zappa. And, uh-huh. you know, he, he has this like rich, he's super young and he has this like rich musical, like, you know, influence. It's, it's amazing. So like those, those kind of people are just, I'm drawn to them and they're, and they're doing it for the right reasons and they're, and they're sweet to people. And I don't know. So people like that, um, comfort food's another big one. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were living in Chicago and my bandmate, Alex, uh, you know, he kind of got wind of them and he's like, I think I'm going to go to the show. And I couldn't go. And he went and he talked to them and they just hit it off. And he ended up recording, you know, like two of their albums. We're putting out an, a new comfort food album next Big month. Shout out to Jake and Dan. Yeah. Who stay with me and my roommate. Yeah. And I'm Jake and he was Dan. <laughs> it was weird. <laughs> but yeah, you know, those folks that just like, they're just so passionate about the label. Um, I think it, for those people, the label has become kind of the community that we were hungry for. You know, like living in Chicago, it was a little hard to find people. Um, so those are big ones. Uh, Wesley Nallen, who does Imbue, was like a person that I met through Bill Tucker. And uh, he just quickly, like, you know, we, we had so many of the same influences. We grew up on like the Anticon stuff. Mm. And, and a lot of like that, that you know, curl up and die, that like... <laughs> 
grindcore, heavy heavy metal, hardcore stuff. Um, and he and Wesley's like a huge part of the label, um, my right hand man. So those are so, just a few of the people. I mean, there's so many to name. I'm leaving out a lot of people, but yeah. Um, so just kind of talking about that community aspect, um, tell me about the Already Dead family reunion and how that ties into the whole aspect of the, of the label. Yeah, I think when Sean and I started the label, we wanted it to have a community vibe. We wanted it to be like a family. I, you know, it always, people always like draw comparisons to like juggalos, which is awful because <laughs> I, I grew up, I grew up in Michigan and I hate, I just, you know, a lot of those kids would like steal shit from my locker and stuff. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't grow up fun of that. By yeah. <laughs> mm, that's funny because I have the opposite, um, I have the opposite, um, opinion of juggalos. I officiated at a juggalo wedding. That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for, for two homeless juggalos. Yeah. 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 See, and I think it came full circle this year with the, like, the juggalos were, like, the face of, like, the, the people fighting, yeah, like, the like, alt-right, you know? Yeah. So it's like, okay, like, I softened my heart to that. Uh, we spent about an hour talking about juggalos earlier. Yeah, yeah. Because it, it was a part of, you know, growing up high school and stuff, just, like, I was into metal, and, and those kids were, like, kind of cool to me, but some of them were also awful to me. Yeah. So it was, like, a weird yeah, yeah. dynamic. Um, <laughs> that's a huge digression. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, you know, the already did family reunion. Um, it was Sean's idea, okay, too. gathering of the Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 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 um, it was Sean's idea, you know, to bring together everybody. And the first year was was you know kind of weird and we had some local bands that weren't involved with the label and it just had a it had a weird vibe it was a little rocky but we were like this is the beginning of something and and then the second year was fucking awesome like binary came out from portland and you know daniel francis doyle played it was just like a lot of a lot of like yeah like i mean that's a person who's like not on the label but totally like a person we all love and Mm -hmm. he's a supporter and that's amazing like um the second year kind of like like cemented it like cool we're doing this for the foreseeable future and it just kind of turned into a time where like regardless of turnout like we have like 35 bands coming to town and like people get to meet each other and then like you don't you know the collaborations that come out of that are like crazy like bob bucko did an album with storm ross and darko Mm. the super and you know uh i mean it's fucking amazing and um just people knowing each other you know like one year after the reunion comfort food and video daughters like kind of toured back to, mm-hmm. back to the east coast and stuff like that i mean it's just cool to see like outside of my knowing i'll just like later find out like oh cool these two artists are friends now and they're collaborating and they want me to put out that collaboration so it's cool in that way but also just like impacting the community in kalamazoo like the past Last year, we, we started doing the festival for free outdoors. Mm. And it was just cool to see the community come out. Um, you know, like kids are like <laughs> experiencing free jazz. There's like a video on the internet that, <laughs> that Mabel from uh, Complainer posted of uh, Fuck Lungs playing. And this kid's like playing in the foreground and then Joe starts drumming and Kurt starts playing sax and the kid just like stops and like runs away <laughs> and it's amazing but I, I but later like that, that that little kid he was like eight years old and he's like dancing to all of, all of these weird bands was, and like we were cool. me and Alex were doing a problem set and uh, he comes up to us backstage and is like do you guys need help loading on stage you know it's like a mate like this this eight year old kid is like exposed to all this wow. stuff and like all these all these weirdo musicians are being like sweet to these kids and it was just cool to be a part of the community like the 
the Vine Neighborhood Association was yeah. a part of it, and uh, KNHS was a part of it. Like, they help. Shout like, out to Detroit, Steve, <laughs> the Vine Neighborhood Association. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and like the KNHS like helps homeless people find housing and oh, stuff. Awesome. So it's cool to like be a part of that. Like. It, it's um, incredibly grassroots yeah for kalamazoo yeah cool and so this year it's the same way it's going to be free outdoors with crazy after parties in basements yeah, in michigan yeah. so it's going to be a lot of fun well thank you so much for sitting down well standing up and <laughs> chatting with me leaning on a mob yeah leading on somebody else's car um <laughs> but it's chill um yeah, so thanks again for coming out and playing and um, chatting with me. This has been Josh and Jake from Already Dead Tapes. It will be right behind them playing with them.